This is Chris Paschal, and you are listening to the second episode of the Paschal Gamecock Podcast. This show is sponsored by BP Skinner Clothiers. Located in the Vista, BP Skinner is the only place I trust to get my suits and sport kits. Their commitment to finding the perfect fit is why South Carolinians have trusted BP Skinner for years. So the next time you're in need of anything from ties to sport coats to tuxedos, check out BP Skinner in Columbia. I appreciate y'all tuning in this evening, whether it be Buford or Rock Hill, Georgetown or Anderson, I hope this will become a home for you on Sunday nights. If you missed our first episode, our first show, the idea behind this podcast is pretty simple. About half an hour every Sunday night of me talking Gamecock football. And last week, we talked a little bit about what I thought was missing from this Gamecock program. It was this idea that if you win at South Carolina, it's in spite of being at South Carolina and not because you're at South Carolina. And I think that's a crucial step in the rebuilding of this program. The idea of winning at South Carolina as a result of being at South Carolina because you're at South Carolina. And right on cue, we have a great example of how that mindset change can already pay off and already is paying off. So let's kind of build the stage for for today's episode. Torian Gray. Torian Gray parted ways with Florida as their defensive backs coach and was hired by Shane Beamer as South Carolina's defensive back coach. And if you don't know who Torian Gray is, I, I think this was one of the best hires, not only for South Carolina, but one of the best hires in the country. Let's break that down real quick. In my opinion, there are really two types of coaches on this South Carolina coaching staff. One of them is is guys that are fit guys. Fit guys are coaches that aren't recognized or household names nationally. These are coaches that when you go on ESPN or you're listening to a college football radio show, a national college football radio show, at best they're just kind of overlooking these hires and at worst they're just they're just lambasting these hires as bad hires. Chad Morris is what comes to mind for me when I think of a fit guy. A guy that really didn't have much of a track record other than being a high school football coach. He comes to Clemson back in 2010 as the offensive coordinator, and he creates this offensive power in the Southeast that really kind of laid the groundwork for the Clemson that we see today, the national power Clemson that we see today. Chad Morris was a good fit at Clemson because his offense was dynamic. It was built more around the the skill players and the speed they had on that roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball, instead of kind of focusing on the line of scrimmage, which early on Clemson kind of struggled at, especially on the offensive line. He was a good recruiter. At first, at least, he was given a, a pretty long leash in how he could call plays and how he wanted the offense uh, structured. Then he leaves Clemson. And he just crashes and burns at Arkansas as their head coach. And then last year he was he was the offensive coordinator at Auburn for a very pedestrian and mediocre offense. So Chad Morris, not nationally recognized. He wasn't really ultra successful either before or after Clemson. But when he was at Clemson, he was the perfect fit for Clemson, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And I think there are some fit guys on Shane Beamer's staff. A great example is Eric Kimry. Eric Kimry has 
probably one of the highest football IQs, not only in the state of South Carolina, but in the country. I mean, the way he looks at football is just different from most people. But in my opinion, what makes his addition to the coaching staff great is not the fact that he's this nationally recognized hot commodity coach, but instead he's a Gamecock. He knows the high school coaches in the state. He knows the players. He knows the culture of this state, the history of this program. And an important thing, he knows what makes Gamecock fans tick. Before he was the uh, hired as the tight ends coach for South Carolina, he had a he had a podcast, uh, Gamecock football podcast. He was a regular guest, or I guess kind of a co-host on 107.5 The Game, the sports radio show or station in Columbia. And so he knows what makes Gamecock fans upset. He knows what gets them fired up. And so while his football IQ and his approach to the game and, and the way he approaches the game are kind of important pieces to the puzzle, his fit is kind of twofold in that he brings a sense of local energy and loyalty to the program. And you need fit guys on this staff because they are all bought into Carolina. But Beamer has also gone out and he's got a couple of nationally recognized hot names in coaching as well. One being Justin Stepp. His name was a name that was getting brought up not only in the SEC, but kind of throughout the country as as a wide receivers, not really a guru, but just a great wide receivers coach. And the beautiful part about bringing in Stepp to South Carolina to coach the wide receivers is not only is he a good coach, not only is he one of these hot name coaches, this nationally recognized, at least in coaching circles, uh, names, but he's also from South Carolina, grew up a Gamecock fan. And he's genuinely happy to be at South Carolina and, and he's fired up and I wouldn't really call it a dream job. I mean, he's a wide receivers coach, so I'm sure he has aspirations for either being an offense coordinator or, or a head coach. But in terms of the current situation, this is a dream job for him. All right, but circling back uh, to Torian Gray. Torian Gray was the other big name hire that that Shane Beamer made. Torian Gray is considered probably one of the best defensive backs coach in the country. He played in the NFL. He coached defensive backs in the NFL, both for the Bears and the Redskins, or what what was formerly known as the Redskins, now the Washington football team. So he coached at two different organizations in the NFL. He's also coached defensive backs at Virginia Tech and at Florida. Now, Virginia Tech, for a long time with Bud Foster as the defensive coordinator, they were a defensive power in college football. And part of the reason was because of the defensive backs that they had on those defenses. Some of the guys that Torian Gray coached, and by the way, Torian Gray um, had a kind of already a personal relationship with Shane Beamer because Torian Gray played at Virginia Tech under Frank Beamer. So some of the guys that, that Torian Gray has coached at Virginia Tech, Brandon Flowers, Macho Harris, Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor, one of the better defensive backs uh, in, in the NFL, at least in the 21st century. Kyle Fuller, Kendall Fuller. Um, you got Terrell Edmonds, who's now on the on the Steelers. And so you have these guys that that are not only college football legends, but they're highly productive, great players in the NFL. So that's his Virginia Tech track record. The Florida track record, which in my opinion is almost uh, even more interesting seeing as a team that not only South Carolina played, but a lot of these players kind of 
bullied South Carolina in a lot of ways in, in the way that they played. Guys, he coached at Florida. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's playing well in the NFL right now. Marcus May, Quincy William, uh, or uh, Quincy Wilson, uh, Tease Tabor, Marcel Harris, Duke Dawson. These are all guys that that were coached by Torian Gray at Florida. So you have Torian Gray coming onto this staff, and, and he's the kind of guy that bolsters the credibility of the staff on a national scale. Some of the coaches on the staff are unproven and in some instances are really unknown. And that's good for what I think Shane Beamer's trying to build in, in kind of like a hungry dog mentality. And it also is building a loyalty to this university and football program. But when you have the unknown guys on the staff to bring in a Torian Gray to bolster this staff, to bring a national name amongst the coaching circles and recruiting circles, I think that's huge. So, so bringing on Torian Gray kind of brings me back to that difference in mindset that I was talking about last week and at the beginning of, of this podcast just a few minutes ago. Brings me back to that difference in that mindset from winning at South Carolina because of South Carolina and not winning at South Carolina in spite of South Carolina. Torian Gray has uh, has has started this Gamecock crusade of sorts in that South Carolina is the new and true DBU. And for those of you that, that don't know what that is, what DBU is, it's both incredibly unimportant and important at the same time. DBU stands for Defensive Back University, and it's a nickname that a, that a few college football programs throw around in recruiting. So it's unimportant in that it really doesn't mean anything. It's not winning you football games, but it is important in that it's it's something that is used in recruiting. Different position groups that have you know you behind it. So wide receiver you, defensive back you. And the idea is that some schools just kind of produce better defensive backs in college and then ultimately in the pros. So LSU claims to be DBU, Florida claims it, Texas claims it, I think Ohio State also claims it. But in this little pocket of the world, in the Palmetto State, there are a lot of Gamecock fans and players that claim it. And if you look at lists produced by stats and by numbers, South Carolina has a, a just as good of a claim as anyone else. Of course, when you do the national opinion, who's DBU, South Carolina's never mentioned because South Carolina for so long has been kind of pushed to the side because partly because of their history, but also partly because of this mindset of let us just get pushed to the side. We're not as good as Florida, as LSU, as Texas, as Ohio State. But the defensive backs that have come out of this school, out of this program, and are playing in the NFL, especially as of late, DJ Swearinger, of course you got Stephon Gilmore, this is a school that can legitimately claim DBU. Well, Torian Gray... Uh, has kind of picked up on that, and and he's using it to his ability. So his idea, you know, come to South Carolina because we are South Carolina, not in spite of the fact that we're South Carolina. Come to South Carolina because we are the new DBU. And that mindset has got South Carolina firmly in the crosshairs of two five-star defensive backs from the state of Florida in the class of 2022, in the recruiting class of 2022. Kamari Wilson and Sam McCall. And I'm not really going to dive into the details on those two guys because, first of all, you can get those details at either Gamecock Central or uh, or the Big Spur. 
But for purposes of this show, it's not the prospects themselves that make this interesting. It's the idea of these prospects that 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 make it interesting. So it's not necessarily Kamari Wilson and Sam McCall, who both are great prospects. And if we were able to land either one of them or both of them, that would be just kind of game changing, especially recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. But for tonight's podcast, it's not really the fact that it's Kamari Wilson or it's the fact that it's Sam McCall. It's the idea of the Kamari Wilsons and the Sam McCalls of the world putting South Carolina up at the top of their list. And Torian Gray, kind of within a few days of being the head coach of South Carolina, reached out to, to some of the best prospects in the country. And he not only said, we would love for you to play for us, we would love for you to play in Columbia, but that it's in your best interest to play here because we are DBU. Think about the power in that mindset. South Carolina is no longer, at least kind of in this example, marketing itself as a potential landing spot. Or if you know things kind of shake out well, you can you can find your way to Columbia. But this is a premier spot. This is where you should want to be. This is where you have to be. So so last week, you know, we're talking about the missing piece of the puzzle. And this week, we're kind of seeing what what that missing piece already being addressed by this coaching staff looks like. Going out to the five-star recruits, going out to the guys that in most fan bases, maybe even in this fan base, people would kind of scoff at the idea of, oh, you're going to go after a Kamari Wilson out of Florida at IMG Academy, five-star safety, six foot one, six foot two, an elite prospect. You're going to go out and, and act like he's legitimately going to consider South Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. Sam McCall. Sam McCall from Lakeland, Florida. Guess who's from Lakeland, Florida? Torian Gray. Using those contacts, using the the ability to get in the door as Torian Gray, as Justin Stepp, as a hungry Eric Kimry, as a hungry, you know, Clayton, Clayton White, the defensive coordinator. You know, fill in the blank. Getting in the door and saying, it is in your best interest to be at South Carolina. That no longer is this a place where, well, you know, if we're lucky, we're going to get this five-star, and if not, we'll we'll take this three-star and really kind of work them up. And, you know, there's plenty of examples of three-stars being either undervalued or, or you know, kind of blossoming in, in college. I'm not saying don't look for three-stars. I'm just saying the idea of we'll let the five-stars just go to Florida and Georgia and Texas and Alabama and Clemson that mindset of just letting them go there and we're just going to be a scrappy bunch of three stars, that's not flying with Torian Gray. That's defensive backs coach. So again, last week, we're talking about what's this missing piece. This week, we're seeing a coaching staff get into motion addressing that missing piece. You need to be at South Carolina. You should be at South Carolina. Not Can, can you give us a shot? Can you give us a look? And by addressing this, this staff is is beginning to rebuild. And this is going to be a rebuild that I think is going to look a lot more optimistic than Tennessee's. Last week, we talked about the difference between South Carolina's program and, and, and rebuild and Tennessee's program. 
what does this rebuild look like at, at South Carolina? You have two former five-star defense alignment on this roster. You have a 1,000-yard running back returning. You have another former five-star running back returning from injury. You have a young, confident, local kid coming back at quarterback, which is a key, key, and a huge piece. And and it's something that, you know, we South Carolina loses the commitment to uh, five-star 2022 quarterback Gunnar Stockton. You know, Mike Bobo leaving South Carolina, going to Auburn in the middle of the night. Um, you know, the the kind of turmoil with, oh, well, if Mike Bobo's not going to be here. I don't know if I should be here. So South Carolina loses this five-star quarterback. But let's kind of examine the difference between a five-star quarterback, Gunnar Stockton, and, and Gunnar Stockton is just kind of the present example. But, it, you know, this has really nothing to do with him or really nothing to do with, with uh, Luke Doty. But let's just compare kind of how when you're rebuilding a program, when you're trying to convince kids to come to South Carolina, that this is an exciting place to be, that this is the place to be, a premier spot to be. You need to have a quarterback that's like Luke Doty. Local kid, super confident, speaks just amazingly. Media loves him. He can go out and he can reach out to these these guys that are that are in recruiting or in the transfer portal, and he can say, "Come play with me at South Carolina." He's you know with this eligibility year um, or kind of a year that didn't really count according to the NCAA. He's still a freshman. You could have four years playing with Luke Doty as the quarterback. And Gunnar Stockton is an amazing prospect, and I'm sure he's going to do amazing things, If whether he ends up at Auburn or, or Georgia, if he even circles back to South Carolina. But the kind of what the tea leaves and kind of what you were hearing from Gunnar Stockton was he was kind of a quiet guy, a guy that kind of stuck to himself, which I admire in a lot of ways, especially when you're going through recruiting. And all these people are asking you questions, wanting to know where you're going to go, and you're 16, 17 years old. You don't really want to – some of these kids don't really want to deal with that. And I appreciate Gunner kind of playing his cards close to the close to the vest. But South Carolina needs this energy, needs this, this quarterback, this guy that can rally the troops and say, hey, come play with me. So you got – these defensive linemen, five stars. You got these great running backs, great pair of running backs. You got Caleb McDowell's coming in next year at running back. I think you got a lot of good pieces. You have a tight end group that that I think quietly could be one of the better tight end groups in the SEC. So you have these pieces, and you're starting to gain optimism in that building with guys like Eric Henry, with guys like Luke Day, the, the strength uh, coach, like guys like Torian Gray, Justin Stepp. And I'm, I'm a lot of people of not a lot of people not not going to act like my opinion matters that much, but some people have asked, you know, can you break down this coaching staff? And that's something I thought about, but I don't really want to go coach by coach because one, I don't know enough. I don't think a lot of people knew enough. When when Satterfield was named the offense corner, he's not called a play before, or he's 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 called a he's called plays at at I think it was ETSU or Tennessee Tech. So we got to see with him. We got to have faith in him. We got to kind of give him the leash that that Clemson gave Chad Morris. Let him kind of figure things out. So I'm not going to sit here and kind of, you know, spitball and opine about, well, this coach was a A plus hire and this coach was a C plus hire. 
But I think you have the pieces. I think you have the optimism. I think you have some some coaches in that staff that can make this rebuild a lot easier. I'm not going to say quicker, but a lot easier. I think this rebuild can, can kind of look like the Auburn of 2013 rebuild. Now, please, don't mistake what I'm saying there. I don't want you know people thinking I, I'm assuming South Carolina can go on and win 12 games in 2021 and, and win the SEC. I'm not saying that. But I do think you have a roster that's highlighted with talent that that you know in 2020 wasn't really shown. Part of that was was coaching, but part of that was that mindset that that this wasn't a good roster. And, and I think 2021, you're going to have a coaching staff that that is a little bit more engaged, and that they pump this mindset into this roster that this is a good roster, that this is DBU, that this is a place where future NFL players come to school, that a Jordan Birch is an elite player, that a Cam Smith is an elite defensive back, that Luke Doty is the answer at quarterback. Now this confidence and, and optimism has to be tempered by fans. And Mike Yuva, who one is one of the better reporters on Gamecock Athletics and someone Gamecock fans should uh, follow on Twitter. Uh, last name UVA, if you if you haven't followed him yet, you're missing out. But he interviewed former Gamecock quarterback Steven Garcia over the weekend. And Yuva asked Garcia his thoughts on the program and Shane Beamer kind of in general. And something that struck out to me or stuck out to me was that Garcia said he could feel the sense of urgency with Shane Beamer that they needed to take advantage, that they needed to be aggressive. So let's unpack those comments real quick. Sense of urgency, taking advantage, aggression. Why is that the mindset early on in the Shane Beamer era? It's because the SEC East is kind of ripe for positioning right now. We've discussed Tennessee kind of ad nauseum, and if you want great insights into that program, Go on Twitter, uh, tune in radio, and listen to the Tony Basilio show in Knoxville, uh, or just kind of Google search what's going on there. So Tennessee, we've already kind of discussed how that's kind of a dumpster fire currently, and news kind of leaking late today that maybe Tony Elliott, the current offensive coordinator at Clemson, could be their next head coach. We'll see how that goes. But Florida, Florida not necessarily in turmoil, uh, but things are not so peachy in Gainesville. Internally, within the Florida fan base, and even among some prominent boosters, the Dan Mullen show is starting to get a little tiresome. And, and one of the things that that is kind of repeated to me or, or, or told to me is, and somebody that you need to follow if you want to kind of get the the feeling from the fan base of Florida is, is Gator Dave. And he's on Twitter, and I've shared him on Twitter multiple times. But there's very little public accountability in that Florida program. And maybe maybe internally, but not really publicly. But nobody's really taking the heat for losing to LSU, or stupid penalties, or Dan Mullen running onto the field twice in as many seasons, just kind of losing his mind and screaming at opposing players and coaches. And and what happens when you get blown out by 35 points in the Cotton Bowl? You make excuses. Think about this. This was Dan Mullins. This is that that was Dan Mullins' third season at, at Florida. 
And that was Dan Mullen's best that best team in Florida in these past three years. And the season ended with no SEC title, no playoff bid, and an eight and four record. Florida under under Urban Meyer in his second season had already won a national championship. So the SEC East has some some room for positioning within it. And the goal for 2021, if I'm a South Carolina fan and as I am and you're kind of looking at this program should be climbing the ladder, doing things in order. When you climb a ladder and you put one step at a time and, and you kind of take your time, it's a lot safer and a lot and a lot more doable than if you just try and run up the ladder or, or skip steps. That's how you fall down. And so 2021, the, the goal should be climbing up the ladder, dethroning Georgia and moving to the top of the SEC East is unrealistic. But the window in the East looks a little wider than it did even two years ago. So start beating Missouri and Kentucky, taking that first step. But now is also the time, if you're able to take that first step, to kind of shake things up at the top of the SEC East with Tennessee and Florida being a little vulnerable. So so kind of last week we talked about the missing piece. This week we see how that missing piece is being addressed on this coaching staff and how addressing that piece right now with a sense of urgency is beneficial for the Gamecocks because the SEC East is vulnerable. So that's that's basically what, what we're looking at for South Carolina right now. We're kind of piecing this all together. What was the missing piece of the Gamecock, Gamecock program, if I can say it, last year or under Will Muschamp? And it was almost like an inferiority complex. Maybe not externally, but internally. Not thinking you can recruit at a high level. Not thinking you can get the top guys. Not thinking you can go out there and beat Florida and beat Georgia. Beat Tennessee. Beat Kentucky. So you address that by hiring hungry, unknown, unproven coaches. And you couple that with a couple national guys who are still hungry, but who bring some credibility to this coaching staff, at least on a national scale. So that's what I got for you tonight. I, I if you you know, I hope you enjoyed it. And, and if you like the conversation we had tonight, uh, share with friends and, and some fellow Gamecock fans. And I look forward to to doing this every week. Like I said, it's just about thirty minutes of of Gamecock football uh, uh, talk on Sunday nights. So, and uh, we're hopefully going to get this podcast onto Spotify soon. So, so stay tuned for that. So, I appreciate y'all tuning in. And, and, and joining us this weekend, as always, forever to thee.